If you're new with us, we're walking through the book of Mark. Uh, so go ahead and grab your Bibles or your phone or your iPad, whatever that looks like, and let's go ahead and open up to the book of Mark. We're, we're almost finished with the with chapter 1, and as we've walked through chapter 1, we've just seen uh, the, these two things that, that Mark is really hammering on, this the authority of Jesus and the mission of Jesus. It's like, I said this a couple weeks ago, it's like these, these two symbols in Mark's hands, and he's just clanging them together over and over, over and over, the authority of Jesus, who he is, and the mission, what he's come to do. And so as these things collide together, we're getting a real sense, awareness of what this is all about, what the life of Jesus is all about, what his, what, what, why he came and, and this authority with which he ministered. And so as these things collide, the authority and the mission of Jesus, it just it demands a response from us. And even this morning, we're going to see that again through the text that we're in this morning. Um, you know, I'm the kind of guy that... I like to know why behind the what of things. Like, I just, it's just not good enough for me a lot of times to just be told what to do. Like, I want to know why I'm to do that. Uh, and, it, and if you're like that, you know, we, well, you, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're not like that, that that's fine. If, if you're just given marching orders by your boss or whatever, and you're just like, hey, I don't care what it's for, I'm just going to do it, hey, that's great. But I kind of, I kind of want to know the why behind. So growing up, the teachers that I connected with the best in school were teachers that didn't just give me a bunch of facts to know, but they helped me understand why they were important to know them for future application. In fact, in, in seminary and in undergrad, when I was going through Greek, uh, I had some great teachers that in the very, in the beginnings of Greek, when you're going through the grammar and stuff, it's just, it can get very boring. It, it kind of weeds out a lot of people who are, who think that it's going to be really, really easy. Easy. But I had some professors who were very helpful in the, in the, in the weeds of, of grammar to help me understand what this is going to be able to help us do later on. And so the, the practices and the exercises early on in those classes, they were worth it because I knew what it would help me be able to do later on. I played sports growing up. I played f- football from fourth grade all the way through college. And the best coaches I had were coaches who took the time to say, this drill we're about to do in practice is not just for you to just do something to do something, but they would teach the application of it for real game life situation. And so if we're doing a drill and the coach hasn't taken the time to explain why we're doing it and none of the players know why we're doing it, we're like, why are we doing this drill? Like, I don't do this in a game. Like, remember monkey drills? You know, like, when do you do a monkey drill in a football game? Like, that doesn't make sense. And so when the coach would take the time to explain this is why you're doing it, because of the practical application in a football game or whatever the sport is, then the drill, it became, I became passionate about the drill. I wanted to do the drill with excellence. I wanted to do the drill the best that I could because I knew the why behind the what. I didn't want to just waste energy. I wanted to invest that energy the best I could that would help me on Saturday uh, playing in the football games. So I want to know the why behind the what. And what we're going to see today is with this passage, we're going to see uh, Jesus taking the time to patiently explain the why behind the what. When we understand the why behind the what, the what becomes so much more enjoyable become so much more passionate. We have such, such uh, uh, desire and anticipation and joy to do uh, the what if we really understand 
why we're doing it in the first place. And so whether you connect in that way, you know, I think of like, especially middle management leaders, and we've got a lot of those in our, in our church. You, you're kind of in this middle management where you have somebody over top of you, but yet you have somebody underneath you. So like a school teacher, you've got principals and, 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 and board of education or whatever over top, but then you've got students and maybe other faculty that you work with. Understanding why this group is telling you to do this with this group is very helpful to, to have the, the joy and the energy and the passion to, to get your students or your, your people to do that. Uh, I know like Jim Schweitzer, who's in middle management over at, uh, at State Farm. Um, he's got people over top of him, but he has employees underneath him. And when he's told what to do and he doesn't understand the why that he's being told to do that with his employees, it's kind of confusing. Why are we doing this? But if he can understand the what, the, if he can understand the why, then, then there's passion in it. And he can achieve a goal that, that the whole body, the whole team invests in. And so what we're going to hopefully see today is, is Jesus taking the time to teach the why. Why is this mission so important? Why is this mission? Why has God called us to forsake everything and to hold fast to the truth of who Jesus. What's the big picture? What's the big why behind this? And so let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to verse 35. And the book of, of Mark is kind of broken down in these four sections. The preparation, him in Galilee, Jesus in Jerusalem, and then the, the Passion Week, the last week of Jesus' life. And so we're going to zoom in here into this time of Jesus in Galilee. And we're specifically going to go down here to verse 35 through 39 this morning. And if you're new with us, we kind of read a little bit, we talk, we read a little bit, and we try to wrap it all up with just one simple truth to try to walk out the room, to try to hammer in throughout the week. And in our community group, we talk about that one simple truth. We call it our journey marker. We try to talk about that in our community group so that throughout the week, we're trying to massage this truth from this text deeper and deeper. So the Bible says, and rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed, he being Jesus. This is on the heels of a really, really long day. Two weeks ago, I preached about how Jesus was in the synagogue and he was preaching this new message, which, which was just rocking the world of the hearers. They're like, man, this is something new. This is something crazy. This is something awesome. And immediately a demon speaks up in, inside of a person and Jesus casts that demon out. And, he, and the people are just filled with wonder and awe and amazement. And Richard last week preached about how that same afternoon, Jesus goes to Peter's house and Peter's mo wife's mother was sick and Jesus personally healed his mother-in-law and then at sundown the front porch is filled with people who want more of that whatever that was whatever that healing you just did and whatever that stuff we want more of that and so Jesus throughout the night is is healing people and he with this compassion he's he's driving out demons throughout the night and then very early in the morning before the sun even comes up he's out praying this is kind of redundant. He says, very early in the morning while it was still dark. Mark, he doesn't really mix words. He doesn't go into these flowery, redundant kind of things very often at all. So why does he do this? I think Mark is being crystal clear here to say that it is so important to the very mission of Jesus that Jesus take the time to spend intimate, personal time with the Father on a regular basis. There'll be several times throughout the book of Mark where we'll see Jesus getting alone without his disciples to, to connect in personally, intimately with the Father. Jesus wants to make sure that the exact mission of the Father is carried out precisely by himself. Now, I can't speak for everyone you know, here, but for me, 
prayer is a joy-filled thing, but at times it can be a very difficult discipline to, invest, to, to develop in my life. Some mornings it's just a joy to get up and be ready to connect in with the, with the Lord, but other mornings I'm just being honest. I mean, if I could like, confess my sin here, like, it's tough at times. But my, my flesh is weak, I'm tired, and it's like hit the snooze, hit the snooze, and hit the snooze, and hit the snooze. And it's like, man, it was just a long day yesterday. But what a takeaway right here. We see Jesus after a long, long period of time realizing the importance of connecting in intimately with the Father. You know, a lot of times when I, when I really think I have my mind wrapped around the mission of God and the mission, our mission here at Life Journey Church in Crozet, I get this attitude of, well, I could either spend all morning praying about it or I can get out and actually make it happen. Like, what's, what's up with that? Like, what kind of arrogance is that, Right. I think I've, I've got this huge mission that I'm here to accomplish. I go go and make it happen. Well, could any of us, would do any of us have a mission greater than the mission of Jesus? I mean, who else in this room has a mission that to live a sinless, perfect, holy life, represent the kingdom of God here, be rejected by your nation, be beaten beyond recognition, be ex- ex- executed by crucifixion, and worst of all, become the very embodiment of sin so that God the Father justly hates that body of sin that Jesus then becomes on the cross and pours out his wrath on his very own son and all of that because of Jesus' obedience. That's, that's not our mission. That's the mission that Jesus had here on earth. And so why would we begin to think that our mission is so great that we can forego time intimate with the Lord, with the, with, with the Father, and just go out and make it happen? If Jesus, with this huge mission, invested time intimate with the, with the Lord, with, with the Father, man, we need to follow in that example. So Jesus, with this immense mission, he doesn't race off to make it happen. He races off to spend time with the Father. And Peter comes on the scene here in verse 36. So catch this scene. Jesus, it's early. It's not even sunlight. He's been up all night healing people. He goes off to a desolate place to pray, to connect with the Father. And verse 36 says, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. This word search is the idea of like they hunted for him. Like, it wasn't just like, hey, do you see Jesus? No, I mean, they're like hunting through this, the woods, this desolate place, searching for Jesus. And they found him, verse 37, and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Man, I hope we catch what's, what's happening. Jesus has snuck off to be alone, and his own hand-picked disciples, led by Peter himself, are hunting, trying to figure out why in the world has Jesus run off to be alone when they've got this work of doing this mission right here in front of them. And in it, this, this f- phrase here of everyone is looking for you, in English, that kind of sounds like flattering. Like, hey, everybody's looking for you. They want to hear you. They want, they want you to, to kind of speak to them some more. But, but the Bible, we have to remember, wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. And what this is, the, the context of what's happening here is they're looking for Jesus to get Jesus to do more of what he was doing yesterday for their own self-interest for their own self-satisfaction, for their own self-gratification. In fact, Mark uses this same word, everyone is, this, this verb, looking for. He uses it six other times, all of which are talking about when people were looking for Jesus for the purpose of killing Jesus. 
So we can't we, we, we look at this and we're like, hey, people are looking for Jesus. They want to be, they want to, they want to talk with Jesus some more. It's a selfish and self-centered motivation that they have coming from. And who's leading the charge? Good old Simon Peter. He's leading the charge saying, Jesus, everybody's here looking for you. They want more of what you did to them yesterday. They want more of this healing power, more of this exorcism power. They might have rounded up all their relatives with every single disease, every single hangnail possible, just waiting for Jesus to magically wave his hand and they all be healed. They weren't searching for Jesus, for his authority and his mission of reconciling the nations to himself. They were looking for a quick fix to their physical problems. Now, Jesus had compassion over these people. He'd just been all night healing a bunch of them. But Jesus' mission is greater than just physical healing. And so Jesus, with this great shepherd's heart, with this great gentleness, he says to Peter, who was famous for putting his foot in his mouth, as he does here. And he says to them, verse 38, let us go on to the next towns so that I may preach there also. For that is why I came came out. Jesus graciously explains to Peter, as he does to us today, that his mission is much bigger than just one town. They're in the town of Capernaum. It's much bigger than one region. His mission is for the next town also. Aren't you glad that the fulfillment of Jesus' mission is not dependent on our ability to understand the totality of Jesus' mission? Like, if, if that were the case, if we had to understand the totality of Jesus' mission in order for it to be accomplished, I would guess that it wouldn't be accomplished very well. And Peter, and maybe we should give Peter some slack here because it seems like Jesus does. He kind of gently like shepherds him and leads him to say, hey, come on, Peter, we got to go to the next town. He's being very patient with him. He's very, very loving with him. In chapter 8, Peter does this again, and he says, no, Jesus, you're not going to go to Jerusalem because they're going to kill you. And Jesus, that time in chapter 8, looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, because you don't know what I'm you don't get it. You don't understand what I'm here for. So Jesus doesn't call Peter Satan right here. He very lovingly, gently guides him into a fuller understanding of this big mission for why Jesus has come to preach into the next town. Jesus could have been stern, but he gives them this, this shepherd-like reply of let us go. But Jesus clearly states his mission includes the proclamation of the gospel in the next town. Now, we don't know what specific towns he's talking about. We know that he comes back to Capernaum, okay? Because actually in chapter 2, verse 1, in two weeks when we get to that, uh, Jesus is back in Capernaum preaching, okay? So we know he comes back. He comes back to Capernaum a lot. In fact, Capernaum is called his town, Jesus' town. So he comes back, but he knows that his mission is to go to the next town. And here's just a question I have for you. If Jesus' mission on earth was to go to the next town, to take this message to the next town, don't you think that our mission ought to resonate in that as well, in some, some facet, some, some, some way as well? If Jesus' mission was, I'm not here just for this town, but also for the next town, then shouldn't we... Shouldn't we try to apply that into our mission here at Life Journey Church? That yes, we're here for Crozet, but not just for Crozet, but also for the next town, whatever that next town is. 
Right? What about in our community group life? Man, we have some community groups going, but is the mission of Life Journey Church just for these three community groups on these three streets? What about the next street? What about the next neighborhood? You see, if this is a mission of Jesus, I think this needs to be reflected in the way we do church. And so Jesus, verse 38, for 39 says, I mean, the Bible says in 39, and he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And so the, this, this passage summarizes with this pattern of as Jesus is going into these towns, he's announcing this beautiful message of grace through himself, this gospel, this grace of the gospel. And when he announces it, demons speak up to try to silence Jesus, right? And that's a pattern we'll see over and over. And I just think about that here at Life Journey. If, we, if we're preaching the gospel the, 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 and we don't have some sort of demonic pushback, then I think we should like investigate, are we really preaching the gospel? Are we really preaching the truth? If there's no demonic pushback here in our town, here in our city, then, then are we really preaching the truth of what Jesus has come to preach? And so this is what I want us to, to leave with here. So, so get this picture. Peter comes. He's searching for Jesus. He says, Jesus, these people are here. They're, they want more from you. They want their, their physical needs met. They need you to come and, and take care of them. And Jesus tries to open up his mind as, as gently as, as, a, as a loving, caring shepherd could do and says, no, Peter, listen, there's more. There's a bigger picture behind this. There's a bigger why behind the reason we're here. We're not just here to gather big crowds to have people stand up who haven't stood up in their whole life. We're not here just to have blind people see. That's a big reason. That's what he comes to do that as he has compassion for these people. But the mission is take the message to the next town and to the next town and to the next town. And so Jesus patiently tries to explain the why behind the what. And if we could walk out of here this morning with a, 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 an understanding of what Jesus is doing, and I, this is what our journey marker is for the day, it just simply says that understanding the why behind Jesus' mission, it brings the what we do to fulfill that mission to life. If we understand the why, if we really spend time to wrestle with the why of the mission, then it brings the what we do to life. And so at Life Journey Church, we have some very specific what's. So we're going to wrap this thing up by talking about what we do here at Life Journey Church, and then we're going to finish by talking about specifically the why of this mission. So what do we do here? If you were to come to my house and say, hey, Walt, I want to learn more about what, what you guys do at Life Journey Church. What's your vision? What are you guys here to do? If I could give you a picture of the best case scenario of a five-year to ten-year plan of Life Journey Church, what we would see happening, it would be this. One church becoming two churches. The concept of Life Journey Church planting new churches. And then those new churches doing what? planting more churches, the next town, right? Going to the next town to see the gospel spread, the fame of God. That's our tagline. That's what we're here to see, the fame of God spread throughout our region and throughout the world. So this is a what we do. But you know, this is going to take a lot of energy and a lot of effort. So we need to understand why we're doing it so that the passion for this flows out of the why, not just a what to do. 
And so in order to see this happen, we know that we're not going to wake up one day and, say, and get a phone call and say, hey, guess what? So-and-so has planted a church out of Life Journey Church, and uh, they're over in, let's say, Waynesboro. They're in Stewart's Draft planting a new church, and they had you know, 50, 60 people. And we're not just going to wake up and, and that that'd be, be a reality. There's just got to be a strategy behind this. And that's where inside of this church, we've got to see they get smiley faces because they're multiplying, right? <laughs> and so we've got to see one group become Two groups. Two groups. These are community groups. Two groups becoming four groups. Four groups becoming eight groups. And, and Craig, you might have to help me with the rest. I think 16 and then 32 are in there somewhere. But as this intentional multiplication of groups happens, we'll prayerfully see a cluster of these groups forming close to or around the next town and then those, instead of driving back to Crozet to be part of Life Journey Church, then we commission them to start a new church, whatever that looks like. So, but again, we're not just going to wake up and see new, church, new, new groups starting. There, there's got to be a plan to see new groups starting. So we've got one church becoming two, but one church is automatically going to become two. Groups have got to multiply. And in order for us to see groups faithfully multiply, we've got to see what we call personal discipleship taking place. So we have a strategy for personal discipleship multiplication where one disciple, see they're all happy, becomes two disciples. Two disciples become four disciples. And this personal track of personally, a, someone taking someone under their arm, under their wing, and saying, man, let's walk together for some six months. And there's a, there's a the strategy that, that Richard is working on, even right now, and we're hopefully going to be launching in the next couple of months, where, where, where one disciples one, and now they become two. And then those two disciple, and there becomes four and it becomes eight. And so through this process, we see leaders being developed. We see community group leaders being developed. We see elders being developed. See, we're not just going to wake up and say, oh, well, there's a new church planted from Life Journey over on the other side of the mountain or whatever. It's not, I mean, it's not going to happen. We could wish for it. But we've got to have a plan in place to see that happen. And this is the embodiment of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and surely I'll be with you as you do this to the end of the age. So this is the core of our strategy. So as one disciples, one, they become two, two disciple, two, that becomes four, eight, 16, 32, 64, and I'm done. As that happens, we see leaders developing and we see groups, uh, more, more leadership and more groups starting. So now we have the ability to start more groups. As more groups are starting, we have the ability to see more churches being planted. So if you're asking me, what is the what of life journey? What do you want to see accomplished? This, this is our what. This is the bare bones of our what. But we've got to wrestle with the why. Because if we're just like, hey, hey just do this just to do this, it becomes very boring. It becomes very uh, monotonous. It becomes, it becomes a work of the flesh rather than a work of the spirit. If we're going to plead with you and beg with you to, to start new community groups in your home to be a host, and you don't understand the why behind it, then, then this is going to become an obstacle, not a joy. 
If, if we're going to beg with you and plead with you and reason with you to give sacrificially of your finances, to go launch a new church in a new place, to hire more staff, to see more elders on the t- uh, to be sent to pastor other churches, if we're going to wrestle with you and reason with you to give more, then and we don't understand the why behind it, then, then it's going to be a, a labor. It's, going to be, it's not going to be fun. But if we could wrestle with the why and know why we're doing this, just like Peter, he didn't get the why. But if we could wrestle with the why, and this becomes fun. This becomes exciting. This becomes a reason for living, to personally disciple somebody, to see him become a community group leader, to see that group become two groups, so that one day we can see one church become two, two churches become four, four churches become eight. But we've got to wrestle with the why. So why? Why do we do this? In fact, part of our next town philosophy is foreign missions. In October of 2013, we're going to take our first trip overseas as Life Journey Church. You'll get more information about that as we get closer. But if you want to go on an international mission trip right here at a Life Journey to take the gospel to the next town, then join in with us. We're going to go down to Guatemala and spend a week or two ministering with people who are doing the same thing of planting new churches in the jungles of Guatemala in 2013. So one gives way to the next. And you can see here on this bigger picture, personal discipleship enables community group multiplication, which enables church planting. So that's the what. But let's, let's, let's really make sure we understand the why. Why are we doing this? Why? Give? Why sacrifice? Why come and straighten curtains and set out chairs? Why volunteer? Listen, I, just, I try to reduce this down to the most simple statement, but it's mind-blowing at the same time. The why. Because God is so great that every single square inch of our universe will ring out in worship and in adoration and in praise of this God of the universe for eternity of ages to come. The why? Because he's worthy. The why? Because he's great. You say, how great is he? Well, he's great enough for Chris Tomlin to write a song about it, but he's also great enough for the fact that he spoke and the universe was formed. Every single dust particle is a result of the very breath of God. He's so great, he's great enough to speak and trillions of stars be formed. He's great enough to speak and billions of galaxies that we know of, yet alone the ones we don't even know of, are formed. He's great enough to speak and plants and animals and seas and land now exists. He's great enough to deliver his chosen people of Israel from the grip of the most arrogant Pharaoh of Egypt. He's great enough to guide the stone of David's sling into the forehead of Goliath. He's great enough to close the hungry jaws of the lions when Daniel was sentenced to death. He's great enough to protect and deliver the three Hebrew boys through the flames of Nebuchadnezzar. He's great enough to impregnate a virgin with his holy son. He's great enough to 
calm the seas, to feed the 5,000, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead. He's great enough to ascend a wooden cross and be the only means by which sin is forgiven. He's great enough to walk out of that tomb victorious over sin, hell, and the grave. He's great enough to ascend back into heaven and sit now at the right hand of the Father. He's great enough to raise the spiritually dead by cutting out the dead sin-stained heart and now putting in a new man created in the likeness of God himself with true righteousness and true holiness. He's great enough to seal those who believe with his promised Holy Spirit as a deposit of things to come. He's great enough that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's great enough that the entire globe one day, Habakkuk 2, will be covered with the glory of God as the waters, oceans themselves are covered with water. He's great enough to redeem of people from the rebellious sin to ensure that forever and ever he will be able to point to the church, the very bride of Christ, to show to all who would see the remarkable depth of his love, the extent of his grace, and the result of his mercy. Why do we do this? Why do we labor for months personally discipling others to multiply leaders? Why do we labor to multiply groups to see churches multiplied? For the fame and the glory of our great God to be spread across this globe. If we miss the why, we're going to get frustrated. We're going to get angry with each other. We're going to have conflict. We're going to have pride. We're going to have arrogance. But if we get the why, we understand that God is great and greatly to be praised. Dude, this is going to be fun. Not just fun, but this is going to happen because we place God where he belongs as the center and us as the worshiper instead of the worshipped. Now, what if we all started to grab this? Now, what if each one of us just in this room really in our lives began to place God at the center of this thing of the universe. That his creation and his redemption for us was for him to reveal just how worthy he really is to be worshipped. What if we became motivated by the why of Jesus' mission first and only? And wouldn't, wouldn't that make what we do so much more enjoyable, so much more passionate, so much more desirable to be a part of, and again, doesn't that, just make it, doesn't that just make it just fun that we get to be a part of God's glory spreading across the globe? And this is the type of church that I want to be a part of. This is the type of church that we want to plant right here in Crozet, a church that understands why we do what we do. Man, it's great that we have this plan to go to the next town and to multiply groups and multiply. It's great to have a plan, but if we don't understand why and the glory of God being at the center of it, then we're going to do really good things for wrong reasons. And when you do good things for wrong reasons, that begins to degrade into doing just good things for wrong reasons. And that further degrades to doing wrong things for wrong reasons. Our motives must be the glory of God spreading across this globe. Craig's going to come and get ready to lead us in a time of our fourth worship song this morning. And I just want to challenge us in this moment to 
to examine our minds, examine our hearts, and, and ask ourselves a very simple question. Do, have I wrestled really, truly with why we do this thing of church? Because if it's simply just for me to kind of do my thing, it's for me to kind of get my preference done, it's for me to kind of do this or do that, if it centers around me, I'm telling you, it's not going to be fun. But if we desire to see a great God, holy, high, and lifted up, and to be a part of all of creation resounding with worship of this great God, then man, knocking on a door, passing out a card, sacrificially giving of our money and of our time and of our energy, man, that stuff, it's not going to become a chore or a burden or a law. It's going to become a desire to see God high and lifted up right here in Crozet, but also the next town. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes and respond and reflect to this reality of the why. And I remind us of this beautiful picture of Jesus gently shepherding Peter, saying, hey, I know you don't get it. I know you don't understand it all. But come on, let's go to the next town. I'll show you. Let's go to the next town. My prayer for us is that we, that we really wrestle with the why, why we're here. And if it's anything other, to see the very fame and the glory of God lifted high, for him to draw men and women and boys and girls to himself, for him to be worshipped, for him to be praised, for him to be glorified. If it's anything other than that, I'm telling you, We're going to have problems. But thankfully, we have a loving shepherd who guides us and teaches us what this mission is all about. So as we respond this morning, I just want us to have a moment of of silence, a time of reflection, a time of prayer, where you just press in. Jesus up early in the morning, spending time alone. Just press in for a moment. We'll give you that space. In a minute, we'll start tearing down. In a minute, we'll go get the kids. In a minute, we'll, we'll leave. We'll, we'll do all that in a minute. But, but here's just some time for you to just stop. and Say, God, open the, my eyes to the reality of what you have done in me and this mission of your glory, your great name being proclaimed across the globe. This morning, if you have questions about your own faith, you listen to Piper's testimony, you're like, man, I, I don't know where I'm at before a holy God. Man, listen, Richard and myself will be standing up here. Come talk with us. Ask questions. If you're embarrassed to ask a question publicly like this, send us an email. Call us. Reach out to us. We want to walk with you as God draws you to himself. In a couple of minutes, we're just going to have our final worship song. This worship song talks about how God stood before creation, eternity in his hand. And now we have the joy of standing in worship of this great God. This isn't so much a hymn of invitation as it is a a worship song to celebrate this God who is so big, who is so great. So I pray over us. You press in, and we'll close with the time of worship. 
Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this time. Thank you for everyone who is here. And God, I pray at Life Journey Church, we won't just see the, the what we're doing, but God, we understand the why, why we're here. God, may we not be like Peter and get sidetracked and, and look at the, 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 this crowd who needs Jesus to come and, and to do something, but God, may we be emboldened with the reality of the mission to see the fame of God spread to the next town to the next street, to the next life. So God, we thank you. God, if there's anyone here who is not in your family and you seek this morning to draw them to yourself, God, I pray that that happen. Pray they come and ask me and Richard if they have questions. I pray that they reach out for answers.